In today's episode, we're going to talk about success. And we're going to talk about how the world's view of success differs from God's view of success. Stay with us. Today's handshake is gratitude, giving thanks and praise to God for the many, many blessings we experience in life. We could do a whole episode on this topic, but the thing I want to call to mind is the preface of the Mass when it says, it is truly right and just our duty and our salvation to give thanks to Almighty God. And that is really at the heart of the Christian life, praising and giving thanks to God And that is how uh, we find sanctification and holiness in life. Thanks so much for being with us today. If you're listening for the first time, please be sure to subscribe to our podcast on the podcast player of your choice. If you're watching on YouTube, also hit subscribe to our channel and click the bell icon to get notifications whenever we release new content. And finally, I want to invite you to support us on Patreon. Producing high-quality content like this is uh, a passion of ours, but it also isn't free. Uh, We need your support to continue to produce episodes like this one. So please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash catholicgentleman. So in today's episode on success, we're going to get personal, and we're going to get maybe a little bit uh, theological, but um, I'm happy to just jump in and start and talk about my view of success, right? Right. When I was um, immature. And I think that a lot of it has to do with uh, that immaturity and um, and lack of knowledge and understanding. But success for me was defined by the world. Mm -hmm. Power, you know, um, uh, possessions and Mm -hmm. pleasure. Mm -hmm. You know, I saw my self-worth... met and achieved in an outward or external worldview of success, yes. right? Did did I graduate top of my class? Yes. Did I feel more successful? Maybe for a few weeks after graduating top of my class. Mm-hmm. But then after that, the people I was around didn't remember it. And so I had to do something else, mm-hmm. you know, more successful, right? I had to get a better job, get a better title in my um, job so that when I'm talking to somebody, I can say, oh, well, I'm the VP or I'm the director or whatever that case might right. be. And that hunt for the world's view of success gave me ulcers, mm-hmm. gave me sleepless nights. It gave me anxiety. And throughout this process, I've been doing my best to understand, um, store up treasures in heaven instead of treasures on earth, right? Yes. And But when you've lived with this sort of um, view or experience of success for 20-some years, it's not an easy thing to to change. Right, yeah. Well, and if you look at... The world's idea of success, why do men find that so attractive? Mm. Well, I think men are naturally attracted to power. Yeah. Um, We're naturally attracted to the one who's top dog. 
We either want to be him or we, well, really, that is it. Like, yeah. we want to be top dog. Like, that's just kind of in our nature. Alpha. And if you look at, like, uh, some popular voices out there, like Jordan Peterson, mm-hmm. I like a lot of what he has to say. But it's this whole idea of hierarchy, yeah. um, being the top lobster, yeah. you know, um, being the biggest, the strongest, the most powerful, having all these people serving you. And I think it's so natural for us guys to fall into that mindset. Yeah. The world is very competitive. Men are very competitive. You know, if you're an athlete, you know, you want the best stats, you want the best score, you want to be admired for your power and your prowess. Yeah. If you're in the business world, yeah, again, you want to have that corporate authority, you want to have that title, that little plaque on your desk that says, you know, I'm so-and-so mm. and I command this many people, this many employees. Right, exactly. You know, I have this salary. And, and this much budget I manage. Yeah, yeah, and it's so easy to put your whole self-worth into these external markers of success. Um, the only problem is when we look at the Gospels and we look at Christ's paradigm, it's completely inverted. Mm. So if the world's idea of success is this pyramid, yeah. and you know the top dogs up here at the pinnacle, Christ's idea of true power and true authority and true success is that pyramid flipped over. Yeah, the greatest among you will be your servant, and um, that's a hard pill for a lot of guys to swallow. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I could think, why is it that so many of us men struggle? with that inverted pyramid, right? Mm -hmm. And I know for me, part of it was because my life was Catholic at Mass on Sundays, learning about the faith on Sundays, and then being Catholic throughout the week. I didn't pretend like I wasn't Catholic, but I wasn't really learning about the faith. I wasn't really Mm -hmm. steeped in the faith. What I was steeped in was social media. What I was Mm -hmm. steeped in was um, uh, celebrities, right? Mm -hmm. And and seeing these celebrities um, accomplish great things and do live the lavish lifestyles, live like kings on this earth. And I've made Mm -hmm. the joke with you that I remind myself uh, frequently, currently in life, that I'm not meant to live like a king in this world. Right. And I have to remind myself to combat, right, this desire for pleasure and desire for possessions, which I have. But What I started learning, and I brought up the example of graduating top of my class in college, I learned that it was a void or a a hole that could not be filled. Yes, right. Worldly view of success did not bring me happiness. It brought me anxiety, frustration, and and just general worry. Yes, right. Well, and then it's, it's it's a moving target, right? Yeah. So one, you know, your dream was maybe a little different than mine, but my, one of mine was always to write a book. Yeah. But then I did write a book. Mm. I finally got the book contract. It was so exciting and everything. The book came out and promoted it, and you know, the Catholic gentleman, by yeah. the way, the book, the Catholic gentleman. Um, but then you think, well, that you you accomplish that goal, you should feel great, right? Yeah. Well, no, I immediately, just in my fallen human nature, started thinking, well, now I need another one. That's right. Writing one book isn't enough. I got to write another book, you know, and I got to sell even more copies. And all this this mentality where it's like success is a moving target. And part of the problem was, as we were talking a little bit before the episode, is there's always a bigger fish. You know, it doesn't matter. Let's say you're a million copy bestseller, New York Times bestselling author. 
Well, I'm sorry. If you sold a million books, there's somebody out there who sold 20 million books. That's right. You know, there's somebody who's ri- you've written two books. Yeah. <laughs> there's somebody out there who's written 10 books. That's right. You know, and there's, there's always a bigger fish. You know, mm. if you have a nice car, you know, let's say That's you have right. a Porsche. Well, a Porsche is a nice car. Yeah. No, no doubt. But there's somebody out there with a Lamborghini or a Ferrari that's nicer than your Porsche. Yeah, like, and, and like you could just you could just climb that ladder forever. Yeah, exactly. You, know, uh, you make a million dollars. Well, now I need a yacht. Yeah. Then I need a you know a Learjet or whatever. Right, exactly. Uh, a helicopter. And, uh, yeah. It's it's a hole that can never be filled. Just like yeah. you're saying. Yeah, it is. And so it's so important for us to <clears throat> keep ourselves in check. I I think what's interesting is kind of like what you said. It's it's in a way built within us it's it's an archetype you know a man to uh provide to protect um to be a warrior you know and to be mm. recognized yeah. as a warrior in the world to be recognized as um as a a prophet you know somebody with a, a deep you know level of intelligence and wisdom right i can think of my youth and praying for wisdom because i just wanted to be a wise old man in my young body you know that people would come up to me as the sage of wisdom done with pride though right because not properly ordered with um god's order and god's understanding in mind left up to our own devices we fall Mm -hmm. into vice we fall into an overabundance of of control and self-worth dependent on what other people think of us. Right. Well, and, and a lot of people might listening to this, they might be thinking, all right, guys, you know, on the Catholic Gentleman podcast, you're always talking about developing yourself, yeah. growing, getting better at things and uh, learning new skills and all this. So what's, what are you, what are you getting at? Like we, now you're sounding, sounding like you're making the opposite claim that we should never do any of these things. Mm. That's not what we're saying at all. Yeah. What we are saying is there's a tremendous difference between what you do and why you do it. Yeah, If you're developing yourself, you're going to be this high-performance guy just just to get the accolades of the world, just to get the attention, the, um, the people fawning over you, the promotion at work, all of those things. That can turn into a very selfish, narcissistic thing. There's a difference between saying God has given me certain capacities, certain abilities, certain gifts, certain talents... I want to develop those and invest those for the glory of God, mm. not for my own glory, but to bring glory to God and to become more like Christ. Yeah, that's a totally different attitude toward you know when you when you talk about like growing in virtue and holiness and things like that. Those aren't about being successful in the world's eyes. In yeah. fact, the more you grow in in genuine virtue like humility the more hidden and unknown you're probably going to be. Yeah, exactly. He might increase, we might decrease, right? right? Yeah, right. and that's such a good point is what are we doing? What are you doing today to uh, determine the treasures? And if you've identified the treasures that God has given you, the talents that he has given you, what are you doing to nurture them and to work on them? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because... And you bring up, I can think of a violinist friend of mine who didn't know um, God, didn't have any sort of religion. She was born and raised atheist and, um, well, agnostic. I mean, uh, she didn't, had never made a public declaration, but she would practice the violin seven hours a day. She said never had any meaning behind it. Yeah. And then when she was in college, she had this huge, you know, conversion moment where Mm -hmm. she... Um, accepted Christ and believed in uh, the church. Mm-hmm. And she, in telling me the story, said that it was the first time in my life 
that I found purpose in my violin playing. Mm -hmm. And this is a violinist that got into Juilliard and Eastman and Curtis, and if you know anything about music, these are the top conservatories yes. you know, here in America. And she did so without any sense of purpose or joy until mm -hmm. she became um, a Catholic, and then she realized, okay, God has given me this treasure. So now her seven hours a day were brought with a sense of purpose and joy and belonging, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And um, and so we come at it from different perspectives, but she is an amazing violinist, and God definitely gave her that talent um, and the world circumstances that helped bring her to her abilities. Same thing with us, you know, is that God has given each of us talents, each of us a temperament that is mm -hmm. disposed to some sort of, of talent that can be used for him and for uh, the church and the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So let's talk a little bit about, okay, we've, we've kind of challenged some of the world's messages of success. Mm. Let's talk a little bit about like what true success looks like in the eyes of God. Yeah. And I will just say that it is the vast majority of the time the things that no one in the world will ever know about. Yeah. Mm. Those are the truly successful things in God's eyes. So let's say, like, um, I, I grew up in a Protestant world where a lot of pastors, they'd write all these books, they'd have a million people on their email list, they'd be speaking at conferences, have their own television show. Okay. Well, maybe there's, there's some good done by that. I mm -hmm. don't know. Yeah. But is that success in God's eyes? Mm. No. It's not. I don't care how many people you're, you know, I, let's say someday, you know, Catholic gentleman has a million subscribers. Yeah. That doesn't matter in God's eyes. No. What matters in God's eyes is the one. Yeah. The one, you know, there's 99 sheep. The Lord goes after the one. Mm. One heart, the one life that's changed, the one person. That's what matters in God's eyes. One individual soul is worth more than a million. There's going to be a million yeah. people that listen to us and have, it has no impact on their lives. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But one soul, that's worth something in God's eyes. God looks on the heart. There's a scripture, that in a, I, can't, I wish I could remember the passage yeah. at this point, but it says, man looks on the outward appearance, yeah. but the Lord looks at the heart. Mm -hmm. And this was a hard lesson for the disciples because they had the very worldly mindset of success. And Jesus was the Messiah in their mind, which they saw as a very political, very power-oriented thing. Yeah, He was going to be the king. He was going to be the political ruler of Israel. That's what they were envisioning. And he kept challenging that notion over and over again. An example of this is the widow's might. Yeah. The Pharisees, wow, we mastered all the laws of the old, you know, of the Jewish law. We've mastered a lot of other laws that we invented. You know, we um, make big tithes, you know, when we go to the temple. We, like, sound a trumpet so yeah. everyone can see us placing our huge yeah. tithes in, the, in the, the, the tithe basket there. But then this little old widow comes up with one tiny little coin, probably, like, the value of, like, a nickel or a dime in mm -hmm. our current currency, and she places it in there. And Jesus said that one gift from that widow was worth more than all of the monetary value. It's a, Jesus looked at things uh, completely differently. He looked yeah. on the heart. And, and a gift that cost 
that widow something was worth more than all the gifts of the Pharisees combined. Yeah, and for me, there was part of it, there's a couple things that, that occurred in my life, and one was getting deeper into the Baltimore Catechism. Mm-hmm. At the very beginning, it says, God made me to know him, to love him, and to serve him faithfully. And I remember memorized it and could spit it out, but I never really reflected on it, mm-hmm. right? God made me to know him, to love him, and to serve him faithfully, right? So that we can spend eternity in heaven. Mm-hmm. And when I started thinking about what am I doing in my pursuit of worldly success, that is working on knowing God, that is working on loving God and working on serving God, right? It's easy to justify things, but when you really get to the heart of it and start reflecting on it, you realize how shallow, you know, your mm-hmm. your thoughts and ex- of existence really are, you yeah. know, very easy to put that in the periphery and then, um, and not dive deeper into it. Right. And then the second thing that came into me, so I meditated on that a lot and I've thought about that a lot and I have to keep on reminding myself, right? It's not, again, with, with how we grow in the spiritual life and mm. the interior life. It's not like we can read something, interiorize it, and then transform our lives and, and we're right, going to go. Yeah. wish I could. But um, um, the other thing was um, uh, reading St. Alphonsus uh, when I became a father on his direction to fathers. It's a really short um, sermon that he gave. But he talked about when you go to the judgment seat as a father, he directly spells it out, God is going to ask you what you did to love and raise your kids to follow him, to serve him. And that our judgment will be dependent as fathers on how well we worked to lead by example, to lead by guidance, and to help our kids fall in love with Christ, right? Mm -hmm. And for me, that was just like, so like all the stuff that I've been doing to become, you know, a successful, somebody who can provide for my family, you know, and, uh, and have uh, a nice title and a nice home for my family and stuff like that really isn't as important as what am I doing today for my kids to help guide them closer to Christ? And, and that for me, I, it comes easy to mind because it was so um, transformative in my my life a few years ago uh, that I started praying to really take you know my my role as as husband and father more seriously yeah well that's a, that's a really good point about our kids because I think a lot of guys too yes they see success as climbing the ladder or getting the promotions or whatever the externals mm-hmm. but also a lot of guys can start to live through their kids and yeah. their kids success becomes their success mm. so you know if my kid goes to the best school if he gets on the varsity team, if he goes to state, well, then I'm a success because I'm his dad and I pushed him to do that. <laughs> That's you right. Know? And, like, and uh, a lot of people start to live vicariously through their kids mm. and, and find success in successful kids. Yeah. Um, and that, too, can turn into a very misguided thing. But on the other hand, what does matter? Like what does matter in eternity is the genuine love genuine that you love. show your wife and kids. That's right. Mother Teresa said, you know, how can people in the West 
love others, love the poor. She's like, love your family, love those in your family, pay them attention, you know, talk to them, spend time with them. You want to save the world, go home and love your family. family. And um, I think this is a, a crucial point. And I, I've said this before, I want to say it again, love endures forever. Yeah. As far as what success looks like in eternity, it's love and love alone. Yeah. You know, because we, as you were talking about loving, uh, and loving and serving God, how do we do that? The vast majority of the time, it's through other people. Mm. Uh, the parable, in the, or not a parable, in the Gospels, but well, it is, I don't know, whatever you want to call yeah. it, where Jesus says, you know what, what will the king say? People, you know, tell, tell the people who don't make it into heaven, I was naked and you didn't clothe me. I was hungry yeah. and you didn't feed me. I was in prison and you didn't visit me. But on the other hand, to those who enter the kingdom of heaven, he'll say, you did love me. You did serve me. You did meet those needs. You did uh, care. Yeah. You showed love. And that is an eternal value. Yeah. And a lot of times the world won't see this. Yeah. The world doesn't see this. But one act of love to your wife, mm. one moment of holding your tongue when you could say something really harsh to your kids, one act of love to someone in need. Even if Jesus said, a cup of cold water given in my name will not be without its reward. Yeah. You're not going to get some award or some public accolade for giving someone a cup of cold water and charity. Right. But that's that's the stuff of success in God's paradigm. That's right. Love endures forever. Acts of love are of eternal value. And all else that we do in life will pass away like so much smoke. Yeah. But love endures forever. Yeah. Well said. And you bring up the corporal and spiritual works of mercy, which mm -hmm. are essential to our lives. And so if... I realized with what I was talking about being a father and kind of guiding your kids, it's your job to teach them the corporal and spiritual works of mercy. Yes. Mm -hmm. And you cannot give what you do not have, right? So mm -hmm. if you're not practicing those and you're mm -hmm. not making it a choice in your life mm -hmm. to pursue those um, works of mercy, then you won't be able to pass that on to your kids to help mm -hmm. them love yeah. more. And so... I just found that connection in what you were saying is that, um, yeah, it we do take care of ourselves. We do have to work on our interior so that we can be a better man and a better talent and use our treasures wisely and prudently and as good stewards um, yeah. as, as God's gift. But um, we have to first do those things so that we can then pass them on in our sake as fathers, um, for mm -hmm. those of us who aren't fathers, to those around us. But, uh, but that under... Underlining thread that connects it all is is love, which endures. Yeah. Yeah. Service. I mean, I think that's what Christ's whole life was, and especially the three years of his public ministry was constant service to others. Yeah. I mean, he was tired. He was burned out, physically speaking. And a huge crowd of people would show up and be like, heal us, we're sick, we're in need. And he had every right to be like, not right now. Yeah. And, but he did anyway, you know, and you see this over and over and over again in the Gospels where Christ's um, whole attitude was, I have all power in my hands and yet I'm using it for your good. Um, and, th and that's not, again, the world doesn't get this. Yeah. You know, it's, I want to be top, top dog, 
top lobster, whatever you want That's to call right. it. Um, you're supposed to serve me. That's right. Um, I have power over you. That's success in the world's eyes. That's right. Christ's paradigm is completely inverted from that. The more power you have, the more responsibility you have to serve. Yeah. Um, and that's that's where true success is found. You may not get any awards for it in this life, but uh, as, as Christ said, you know, great will, you, will your reward be in heaven. Yeah, agreed. And we're talking about ways that men can work on prioritizing this view of the right view of success, not this view, but the actual mm -hmm. right view of success. And I want to encourage listeners that the world's view of success, at least in my case, is so deeply rooted in my mode of operating, mm -hmm. you know, that it's something I have to work on daily. Oh, yes. And, and I would say it's definitely not been removed at the quick, right? It's not been removed down to, to the quick uh, in me. And so it's so important to pray about this. And we have to transform ourselves. And one of the things that I can often find as the easiest way of transforming ourselves and our view of success is finding ways to remove the noise in life. Mm -hmm. God can't speak to me if I'm on my phone right. on social media constantly. The world's mm -hmm. view of success is raised up in social media in a way that very few people realize they're not, people don't take pictures of themselves when they are just looking average, mm -hmm. right? They take pictures of themselves when they're really sick because they want um, all the condolences and the, mm -hmm. the you know, the fawning and you know, and the well wishes, they take pictures of themselves when they look good because they're proud of themselves. And so that's what you're seeing. If you, if you have a thousand friends, that's what you're seeing. You're seeing a thousand friends that um, um, are at the peak, you know, in that right. day, that life, whenever they decided to post something on Instagram or, you know, Facebook. It's so and, selective, yeah. Yeah, it really is. And it can be um, toxic and... Um, and disproportionate to reality, you know, to the point where then even though we might in our head understand, you know, what success is in God's eyes and what we need to be pursuing, we have devoted too much time to, I say, the noise, you know, which is um, blinding us in a way from truly living God's uh, view yeah. of success. Yeah, I, 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 absolutely. Um, and... To like success, uh, okay, let's talk about somebody out there who says, all right, I'm striving to do my best at work. Yeah. Because I want to be a virtuous man, right? Like I want to apply myself and do my best. So not for like worldly success, but I'm working really hard to just be a faithful man or whatever. But my efforts keep getting frustrated. Mm. Like, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not seeing results that I want. Well, let's just say too that what God cares about is the intention. Again, he looks on the heart. And if you're doing your very best to please him, but the the fruit of that, the external markers of success aren't there, hmm. that's not in your hands. You're not responsible for the increase. Scripture again says that God gives the increase. Hmm. But we're to put forth our best effort in whatever we do. But a lot of the saints, externally, were failures. 
Um, they try to start a religious order and it would fail. Yeah. Or, you know, they try to go and serve the poor and they'd get driven out of town. Yeah. Um, or they try to go preach somewhere and they'd get martyred. <laughs> well, <laughs> then externally, like they didn't save thousands or convert the world or whatever their their hope was or intention was. Externally, they were failures. A lot yeah. of the saints. Uh, I think of like Saint Louis de Montfort. Yeah. Fiery, zealous saint. Right, and he just went all over France preaching. Got chased out of diocese after diocese. People didn't like anyone rocking the boat. Nope. Um, and then he also um, raised a bunch of money. He was going to build this huge monument. Yeah. Um, that was you know, like you know, representation of the crucifixion. It was going to be three massive crosses. Mm-hmm. He worked so hard, raised yeah. all the money, uh, and he built it. Uh, and um, for whatever reason, I don't remember the whole story, but for whatever the reason, the diocese was really mad about mm. this. And they came in and like destroyed the whole monument, mm. like on the day that it was supposed to be like unveiled. And he, St. Louis de Montfort was like, was crushed. And like, on, on the, but on the other hand, he said, God's will be done. Yeah. So like externally, that was a huge failure. Um, and yet, in God's eyes, it, it was his intention. It was desire to please him and make an act of love yeah. to God uh, that God saw and and blessed. And now he's a saint. He has a massive statue of him in That's the Vatican. Right. Yeah, cool um, and we all, you know, many, many, many people have done his total consecration to Blessed Mother. And yeah, well stated. And and I think it's it's so true because we need to be. Um, always aware of that. And I, I'm constantly reminded of, of St. Alphonsus again, right? Where in his uniformity with God's will is, is that we can do all things for Christ, right? We can do all things, but, but nothing we do, if not done in uniformity with God's will is going to, to merit us, you Mm -hmm. know, things. And so this idea of a man who is pursuing, uh, a good career and laboring well as a virtuous, dignified man is in itself virtuous and good as long as he's doing it with God's will. And even if he's frustrated, right, Right. by it, he's always turning it over to God and that gives God something to work with. Mm -hmm. And, And as long as we're aligning ourselves throughout the day to God's will and we ask him these things, right? And in scripture, pray unceasingly, right? Like, yeah. how do we do that? If, if we can focus on that, praying unceasingly, and before we make actions in our day, we stop and we reflect on, is this your will, Lord? And God's not going to just say, yes, it is. No, it's not, you know, and stuff like that. But Lord, I don't know if this is your will, but I'm going to pursue it for you, you know, and we start offering those things over to him, then while we might not be able to go from Monday to Friday and see a huge transformation, you can go from Monday to three years from now and other people in life, if even if you don't, are going to be seeing that transformation because God's going to be able to work on you um, in those areas of your life. So, yeah. And I I would just say too, if you're, if you're a professional and you're listening to this, and you want to seek success for the right reasons, the holy holy reasons, yeah. but you also struggle with being detached from the external results mm-hmm. of that. There's a wonderful prayer, uh, a prayer to St. Joseph before work. Mm, it was composed by uh, St. Pius X, the holy pope of the last century. Um, but it's just a beautiful prayer about surrendering the fruits of your labors to God. Yeah. 
And there's a lot of other wonderful petitions in there. But basically you're asking St. Joseph to guide you in your professional life, to not succeed, uh, pursue success for the right reasons, yeah. or wrong reasons, wrong reasons, I should say, but to pursue it for the right reasons and to be detached from the results. Um, and I would encourage every man to embrace that prayer, practice that prayer before I work because it really is a wonderful uh, attitude adjustment, if you will, and helping us see our professional work in the right way. Yeah. Seeking success in God's eyes, not in the world's eyes or uh, the corporate world's eyes, um, but really doing things for faith, hope, and love. Yeah, it's beautiful. Make that a practice. I completely agree. Another amazing prayer that's going to help with this is the litany of humility. Yes. And so praying that litany of humility, you you pray things like to, you know, to not fear this or fear that, you know, yeah. to not seek this and seek that yeah. um, and to be detached, you mm -hmm. know, you know, even to the point of, you know, uh, let others love you, God, you know, provided I might love you as much as I should, or more than me, provided I might love you or serve you as right. much as I should, you know. So it's really that um, that humble attitude that's going to bring about this transformation. Yeah. Another thing that I like to talk about, and, um, you know, it can be a little uh, macabre or dark, but it's the idea of memento mori, right? It's the idea of remember mm -hmm. that you will die. Yes. And St. Jerome, and I love um, the different paintings of St. Jerome where he's got the Caravaggio, right? Where he's got the, uh, the skull yes. right there next to him. And why did... Um, why did St. Jerome have that skull next to him? Because he was reminding himself that that's going to be him. Maybe tomorrow, maybe in 20 yes. years... But we are, we will die and we have to go before the judgment seat. And, you know, I'm not talking about, you know, God as, you know, some vengeful, you know, a God and, and father who's looking to discipline. But it is really helpful to meditate on our death, right? Yeah. yeah. And if you've never done that, I encourage you to do that sparingly, right? And start small. Let's start with a few minutes here and just really yeah. think about that. But... Um, if the idea of getting a skull and putting it on your desk, it pleases you, you can do that too. So yeah, <laughs> people might but, ask some questions, but, but, yeah. uh, you know, there's a, there's a old monastic saying, you know, that they would put in like graveyards, monastic okay. graveyards and stuff. And they would say, you know, as you are, I once was, mm. as I am, you will be. be. And it, it really does put things in perspective mm. though. Right. That's I mean, right. what can you take with you? Mm. And on your deathbed, will anyone care if you were CEO of this company or vice president of this uh, division? No. Um, will anyone care how much your salary was? Right. Will anyone care how many awards you got? No, they won't. Um, and death is a very clarifying thing. Yeah. It puts everything in perspective. It confronts us with our mortality and what will we take with us into eternity? Yeah. Um, what will matter in eternity? Like, as you said, mentioned earlier, Jesus, really powerful statement of lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth where thieves break in and steal and moth and rust destroys. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven um, where things last forever. Yeah, for sure. 
And you've got another saying that popped into my head. We all search in success in life and the worldly view to be indispensable, mm -hmm. right? We want to be that CEO that mm -hmm. can't be removed. We want to be that, um, you know, individual, even if it's an assistant that um, of the CEO, but it's the CEO is so dependent on it, right? So there's a famous saying that it's the graveyard is full of indispensable people, yes. you know? And so basically there it is again, is that um, when, when you are serving the master of this world and the success of this world, you know, it is that um, void that can't be filled. Um, mm -hmm. But when we store up treasures in heaven and we keep ourselves focused on uh, God, the creator, um, with gratitude for the opportunity of life to serve him and to love him, and we serve and love those closest to us, we're going to be able to live with more peace, mm -hmm. live with more joy, live with more um, gratitude in life. Yeah, so. exactly. So in summary, in conclusion, yeah. Uh, success in God's eyes is often those little humble hidden things yeah. done from the heart mm. out of love that will last forever uh, and in eternity, echo in eternity. Um, and it's, it's the things that we think are so important so often in the temporal realm that will pass away. Yeah. Um, love endures forever. Amen. So for today's nightcap, this is something that's, uh, I enjoy greatly. I think every gentleman should know how to cook a really good meal. And it doesn't have to, you don't have to be a chef that cooks a ton of meals, but you know, somebody who can cook a really good meal. And one thing that I have learned to do is reverse sear a steak. And so I love steak, and uh, I guess that could have been the nightcap, is just steak. Um, <laughs> but, but I love steak, and it's, it's a really simple technique that is really um, delicious. So what you got to do is you want to brine that steak with some sea salt for two hours. Just keep it in the refrigerator for two hours before you're about to cook it. I use the probe thermometer because it just makes life so much easier. And so you put that probe thermometer in there. You put it into your oven. So I've done it on a charcoal grill as well as in an oven. And frankly, it's just so much um, easier and um, and more certain. And when you're paying that much for steak, you know, for me at least, I want to be cautious on that. So you put your probe in there, you have your uh, oven at 215, and you wait until that steak gets up to about 115 degrees. While you're doing that, if you want to go to charcoal grill, and this is what I like, you put all your coals onto one side, right? So that they're incredibly hot and mm -hmm. heated there. And then you take that steak out at 115, and you just do about two, two and a half minutes on each side, right over. So now you're searing it. Again, it's called reverse sear, not the initial sear, then cook. It's actually slowly warming it up and then searing it at the end. And um, it's incredible. Some of the best steak that you'll ever have. So I haven't done that. I'm going to try it. Yeah, good. So as we remind every man. Be a man, be a saint.